Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. And now, the eponymous Bobby Blaze. What's happening, Bobby? Hey, Jeremy. Have you ever made a perfect sandwich? Yes. You're just taking... Okay, good. You yeah. know, just you had the right meat, like you might have picked out some beef or ham or turkey, and you just had the right cheese to go with it, and you had the right condiments on the right bread. You know what I'm talking about, man. You could almost call it a perfect sandwich. Uh, yeah, I did one. I did one okay. a couple weeks ago. It was Dutch Crunch and roast okay. beef, and I mixed some mayonnaise and horseradish together, and that was the dressing, and Swiss cheese and some pickled red onions. Well, damn, that sounds real nice, but I'm going to tell you what, what that is not the 2020 sandwich that oh. we know right now. Okay. 2020, if 2020 was a sandwich, it's not your roast beef sandwich. It's a shit sandwich, and I don't like the taste of it. That's what yeah. 2020 is turning out to be, okay? And I actually had some roast beef the other day, and um, I had just some, some natural bread. Um, it was a, a multi-grain, and I put some horseradish in that too, man, and a raw onion, to be honest with you. But um, it tastes a hell of a lot better than the entire 2020 has right now, brother. But um, anyway, here's what I'm going to do. I, you know, I'm not going to stay negative and just uh, open up the podcast. I just want to share it with you. I had that thought. But I had permission from um, Bark's Third Coast. I got permission to use his pinned tweet. I refer back to this a couple of times a week, okay? So, Sparks, thanks for this. I've uh, retweeted it several times. I'm just trying to forget that 2020 is a shit sandwich show right now, okay? But here's Sparks' tweet. And it's from 319, so you can go back to March 19th. So there it gives you an idea, you know, time frame-wise, where he's going to on this. It said, folks, it's crazy right now, and it's difficult for all of us to varying degrees for various reasons. My humble advice, just win today. If you make it to bed with your health, a roof over your head, and food in your stomach, you won. Let tomorrow wait its turn. Just win today. And, man, that's what I've been trying to live by, Jeremy. I've just been trying to win the fucking day. And thanks for that, Sparks. Let me use that. So uh, I'm trying to forget about this shit sandwich and, and concentrate on, uh, you know, the good stuff, man. You know, we've just had a – we'll go into some things here in just a few minutes. What's going on while I say it? It just continues to Jesus be this way. Christ. But, uh, but anyway, I'm going I'm to try to stay positive throughout. I just wanted to share that with you there, Professor. Here's the 2020 joke I've been enjoying. Man walks oh. into a bar and he orders a Corona and two Hurricanes. Bartender says, hey, that'll be 2020. <laughs> Ba-boom. Yeah. He'll be here for next hour, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh. So you know how a shit sandwich is built, right? You make good news, bad news, good news. <laughs> you just stack it on. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so some good news. So the good news is we discovered kind of accidentally that even though Zicky Dice was released from the NWA, Zicky Dice is still NWA TV champ. Yeah. He got back to both of us on that uh, tweet I think we was all tagged in. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Of course, that allows um, us to remember that you're still Smoky Mountain Wrestling TV champ. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, NWA blended in on that tweet, and actually NWA podcast blended in that tweet. So that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Um, just the right time. Sometimes if you're on there, the right people, you know. But when I saw that, and I saw you responded to it, and I responded. It's pretty cool. But, yeah, uh, that that's pretty cool that he's still the TV champion, man. That's that's cool. Yeah. I'm not going to be fending my Smoky Mountain TV title anytime soon, though, just so you know. Well, I just, um, I just got back from uh, – a tournament in Rio de Janeiro, so I don't have to defend the AWA America's title for the next, like, 30 days. 
Okay, you're good. Yeah, good I'm good. Go. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Good deal. Okay, good, because, you know, a couple people challenged you and also said that if uh, uh, Mike Jackson didn't challenge you, they wanted a title shot and this and that. But, folks, it's off the table for the next 30 days. The yep. American AWA heavyweight title is off the table by the professor. Yep. Good Good news. Oh, good news. all right. So that's our good news. Um, that's, um, we'll, we'll do a slow roll into all the fucking bad news since thursday one all the all address because it's not really what we talk about here but chadwick boseman the black panther of uh, marvel extended universe films passed yeah. away of cancer friday night that's a shit sandwich right 43 there. years old and apparently just a really good dude too you know what i'm saying away from hollywood apparently just uh one of the good guys you know uh, i've heard several people putting him over yeah you know? the iron sheik was quite upset by this okay yeah yeah, he did one of his customary Carl Gott style "Why did you die?" things, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll check that out. Well, and then Bullet Bob. Yeah, so Bullet Bob passed away. Uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong. I'm sure he's our list. The audience, I just about guarantee all of, all of our list. The audience has been at one time or another a Bullet Bob Armstrong or one of the Armstrong family uh, friends or or. Uh, Supporters or matches, yeah. something, man, because everyone has to know what a true legend. And I'll tell you this: um, I, I have a couple of stories I can share about Bullet Bob. The, the best thing I can say is, you know, I, I got to know him when I got working the smoke when I got working the Smoky Mountain Wrestling region and uh, or territory. And um, as good of an in ring performer and promoter and a commissioner and all the things he done in wrestling outside of wrestling, he was just a really good man. Just a real good man, always real good to me, real, real fair. You know, he'll be uh, deeply missed by the wrestling community. Just a good-hearted guy, man, and, uh, you know, served the country as a U.S. Marine. He had been a fireman. Um, I remember he told me that story. Some of the stories I read was things he had told me through the years. You know, I knew he'd been a fireman from the time he was like about 22 to about 30, I think, and he was wrestling some. And come time around the age of 30, he had to make a decision, and, and he went ahead and, you know, chose wrestling, of course, and obviously the right decision. And that, that was really good because of what he gave to the wrestling and also, you know, having four sons that went on to become, you know, stars in a world of professional wrestling, too. So um, Brad, who's also deceased, you know, but uh, my heart goes out to Scotty and uh, Brian, Road Dog Brian. And then uh, I don't hear much from Steve, but Steve Armstrong, too. So let's not forget him out there. But yeah. I know I spoke to Scotty and Brian via social media. And um, I know, you know, um, they probably feel that Bullets in a better place right now. But I know their hearts are heavy and um, just um, just hope they pull through this, you know, tough time in the wrestling community that we lost one of the all time greats. So um, I'll tell you real quickly. One, He spoke to me several times, smoke him out. And I'm not going to go every detail, every little sentence. And every time we talked, obviously, uh, was, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, if, you, if you're new to it, I'll repeat this real quickly. He was in two of my favorite all time matches that I saw, man, uh, one against uh, – uh, Dick Murdoch um, and one of them against uh, uh, Bob Wharton Jr. Mm-hmm. And it was in a uh, uh, Bob Wharton Jr. filled in for Abdullah Butcher. And of course, the place was going crazy. But it's no sooner than when Bob Jr. and him locked up, they just made everyone forget about Abdullah Butcher, you know, because Abby had a, a commitment over in Japan and couldn't make the show. But, but you know, him and Bob Wharton Jr. and Armstrong just tore the house down, and it was one of those matches. And I know Mick Foley wrote a really nice article about uh, Bullard Armstrong. But basically, at the end of the match, and it was a Cornette angle, you know, Cornette managing uh, Bob um, Orton Jr., and it was a kiss kiss my feet match. The loser has to loser has to kiss the winner's feet thing. When it ended, 
and you know Orton slid out of ring and Cornette in there and selling, selling, you know the manager selling. I don't want us, you know, kid. And Bullet put his boot out there and Corny, you know, bent down and kissed it, and the place just goes crazy, you know. And Cornette's bagging off and leaving, and of course Bullet just times it just right. And that slow promo file, he just profile, he just took it. He said, "I do believe it said." kiss my feet that was just a foot and i've got two feet and slid his other boot out there man and cornet bagging you know it was just huge pops you know so uh that was just some things there uh just want to share with you um just some of the times i got to be around him and see him perform in the ring and um what a true talent he was he will be missed so thank you you know and me i'm a, I'm a westerner so I, a lot of his stuff i didn't see till well after but you know i grew up yeah. with with brad and watching him get his poor, stupid fucking gimmick after gimmick, but he was a hell of a wrestler. There's a way that you could say that Bullet Bob was like a kinder, gentler Fritz Von Erich or Stu Hart in that he had a whole wrestling dynasty and legacy, and, you know, he will be missed. Absolutely. Well said. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead. We got one uh, more. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> This one uh, is this one's gonna hit me a little harder than I expect. I think we lost uh, our our YouTube guy down in the boiler room. Tex is uh, no longer with us. Yeah, yesterday afternoon uh, on Saturday, Jeremy calls me. I see his name on my caller ID. We talk a lot on Twitter. We direct message each other a lot, either via text or Twitter. And when I when you called, I knew something was up. You know. Yeah. And um, I'm not on Facebook, as you know. I appreciate you taking the time to call me. Uh, time zone difference out here on the East Coast and yours. And you you contacted me and let me know that Tex had passed away. And I appreciate that very much. And we appreciate what Tex has done, had done for this show. The way he came on, man, he just came out of nowhere and said, Hey, guys, I'm a you know graphic designer. And would would you like me to, you know, Take a look at this. And he, Jeremy had, had come up with a, a, a little, uh, I guess a gimmick or a, the, the, the artwork that had, you know, BB, BB on it, belt to belt, Bobby Blaze podcast with a bell and this and that. And, um, and I know Jeremy sends out some really good graphics and stuff. And it was earlier on the show and this guy just gets a hold of us and like, um, what do you think about this? And it was a really nice graphic. Yeah. And me and Jeremy both popped and like, oh, yeah, sure. And he goes, uh, then we've done this little um, GoFundMe to, to try to raise $20 a month just to keep us on the air for like 18 months. And Tex was one of the first ones that donated, donated like $30. And he said, hey, guys, uh, you know, th this is my name. I'm Tex Johnson. Uh, you know, I'm at the Graphics FX or what, uh, Cheap Heat, uh, rather, uh, Graphics uh, on, on Twitter. I'm, you know, the one that's following you guys. And then he just kept coming on, and then he sent us some a sample of something he wanted to put on YouTube. And, um, man, it was just he done a real lot of good stuff on there. And I know um, there as this has been about several, several weeks ago, we had over 1.5 million views on that YouTube channel. Yep. And so, uh, you know, I, Jeremy and myself promoted as much as we could text promoted as much as he could, but it was just basically because of the quality of the stuff that's on there. If you go to um, tinyurl.com BBBB, you can see some of Texas work. Um, I'm not sure exactly how videos on there. There's there's close to 100, I think. I, can't, I honestly cannot remember. I looked a few weeks ago. It's not right in front of me, so it's not on the forefront of my mind. I do know it was over uh, 1.5 million views, and Texas done that on his own, and um it's just some awesome work with some Jeremy's voice and my voice 
podcast. And then he put graphics behind it. He put, you know, action behind it and made it a very good, you know, YouTube channel. And it's still going to be up as far as I know. Jeremy and I really don't have much to do with that at this point, And we're not sure what's going to happen with that channel. But the bottom line is we can never thank Tex enough because um, he came on just real humble and done a lot of good for the show, but he also become our friend. Um, And I know a lot of people, a lot of listeners on this show, uh, Nate and Tim from the wide men can't jump uh, my brother and several others, you know, just, you know, some of them got to meet him and some of that like yourself that just, you know, met via uh, voicemails, texting and, you know, social media ways and stuff. He was just a really, really good dude. And uh, just so you know, he had had a rough way to go there for about a a few months and, and something was going, on he got a hold of us when we started the podcast back or we got a hold of him and he was going to have uh, some bone marrow uh, transplant done on July 6th if you recall back uh, and we just said you know just sent out some strong vibes or whatever I had spoken to him a couple days prior to that he was feeling pretty good he said and um, just hoping for the best and well Shit, sometimes things don't go the way you want them. And uh-huh. um, so Tex lost his battle there. Uh, just probably the only battle he ever lost. We'll count him as one of the winners, though, man, because he's a hell of a good guy with a big smile. And uh, just one of the good old boys, man. And uh, this podcast will miss him. We appreciate everything he's done, and I appreciate the friendship. And to all you listeners out there, you know, uh, just hang, hang out there, man. Life can change on a dime. And uh, sometimes it does. So just get up every day and win the day. <laughs> just so to stay with you. that theme, yeah. Yeah, stay with that theme. Yeah, I was I was hanging out with my grandson, and I got a message from Nate at uh, the White Men Can't Jump show. Right. And he was like, uh, hey, did we lose tech? So I immediately jumped on Facebook. And, you know, the first thing I see was him the day before joking about being stuck on his walker. And the next thing I see here is his friend saying goodbye. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that uh that kind of wrapped up a shitty weekend right there, you know. There you go. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but you know what? Let's uh, let's continue the shit sandwich with the last piece of good bread. <laughs> uh, okay. Folks, this week we were going to talk about our favorite TV shows. Yeah, that's a, scheduled. Yep, and then a six and a half foot tall, three hundred pound freebird rule kind of landed in our laps. <laughs> you know, we I was thinking about the Flintstones, and, you know, then at that point, Fred and uh, Wilma, they had their baby uh, Pebbles, and then Barney and Betty adopted Bam Bam. Bam Bam. Well, this week we're talking about Bam Bam fucking Terry Gordy. Yeah, let's get that right out of the way. I got it. We had TV shows. In fact, the way our work was written up was under Bobby and Jeremy's favorite TV shows, and uh, that's all it was started. Mm-hmm. And I got this message one morning, and it said, uh, Bobby, we need to do Terry Gordy. And my response was, fuck yeah. <laughs> yep. And that was like maybe Tuesday morning after we had just talked Sunday maybe. Yeah. Uh, when I woke up to that message, it's, uh, I guess you had started on your TV shows on Monday or whatever. And I, I just had like three notes on some TV shows, and I saw that and like, Terry Gordy, fuck yeah, man. So this is uh, season five, episode three. We're doing Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and we're starting off with the free bird rule, and that is because he's Terry fucking Gordy. Yep. That's why. <laughs> that's, that's, how, uh, that's how Bam Bam takes over the TV show slot right there. Exactly, man. Exactly. So we'll give about 10 reasons uh, as to why we love Terry Bam Bam Gordy. But before we do that, Jeremy, I know you got us signed up for some flight TV. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, uh, if you don't care, and uh, we'll go from there. You guys know we were talking last week or the week before. Pretty soon here, the United Wrestling Network and NWA 
are going to be starting a new pay-per-view show starting on September 15th. One of the carriers for that show is Fight TV. The reason I like Fight is because I, I when we started the show, was not had not watched wrestling in almost 20 years. But using Fight, I had started watching uh, Ring of Honor, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and a bunch of small promotions. And they're all on there. And Fight TV has this thing called Fight Plus that you can sign up for free for seven days. And then I think it's five bucks a month after that. But you get access like to pay-per-views 30 days after they're released. You get credits towards new pay-per-views. There's boxing. Mm-hmm. There's wrestling. There's MMA. Bobby, I'm pretty sure I even saw jousting as one of the events coming up. <laughs> um, they have. Yeah, I've got to pull it up there, man. It's, I like that $2 credit towards a, a pay-per-view each month. That's pretty cool. That's nice. Um, they have concerts on there. I like them because they're a central alternative to, you know, not everything needs to be about getting against the WWE. But if you're like me and the WWE just isn't your thing, this is a nice right. way to get a good sampling. And, you know, we know the NWA is coming back. We know that United Wrestling Network and Dave Marquez do quality shit. This is a good way to check it out. And you can try it free for seven days if you go to tinyurl.com slash bbfightplus. That's F-I-T-E-P-L-U-S, bbfightplus. Yes, that's right. And it's four ninety nine a month after your seven-day trial, and you can cancel any time after that if you like. But use that tiny URL, man, and uh, I've already set it up on my computer, so I go right to it. I just now pulled it up, Fight Plus, subscription on flight. There you go. Welcome to Fight Plus, and boom, boom, boom. Like Jeremy said, just go to tinyurl.com slash bbfightplus. Plus, um, and I'm definitely I'm looking forward to those uh, UWN NWA shows, so I'm I'm going to be trying it out. But otherwise, right I, I already watch wrestling on there every week. All right, all right. <laughs> we ready to jump into the top ten reason we love Terry Gordy? Uh, yes, yes, we are. Do you want to start with number ten? Yeah, sure, man. He's one of the first big men in professional wrestling that could really go, man. As Gordon Soley said, he's all man on a yard wide. You know, he's just a real big guy. He's like 6'6". Six, six. Uh, fuck, he looked like a grown man at the age of 13. Yeah. Um, and that's when he broke in. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a, in a, in a minute here. But uh, by the time he was 18 years old, you know, just that five years, for a man of his size and his stature, no one could go like Terry Bam Bam Gordy. He could brawl. He could wrestle, you know, um, he could just mix it up. He could just do it all, man. He, 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 he was the whole package, you know, uh, just, uh, and, and from a, such a young age, you know, um, just that big freakish strength to, uh, I wouldn't even say it's weightlifting strength, just big natural country boy strength. You yeah. Know? That kind of like so, could, could throw a tractor, uh, tire for a mile kind of strength. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Terry was like, he was that kind of perfect, you know, bashy in the mouth, but could also, you know, billy over and, you know, do the rope moves and some other stuff. You know, like you're saying, he could, he could wrestle as well as just brawl. And it made him perfect. And we'll, we'll talk a little more about each of these, but it made him perfect for like mid south and for Japan. I mean, Mm -hmm, you know, yeah, but Southern American wrestling, like he was, he was born for it. Yeah. Now I will go ahead and announce this too. Uh, he actually broke in. uh, There's some different. People say different things. So we're going to go 
team because that's the farthest back that I could tell. Mm -hmm. He broke in with um, 1974. I'm sorry, I don't have the notes in front of me. 1974 yeah. with uh, Jerry Jarrett was his partner. They went under mask um, as the Mask Scavengers, and that was in Rossville, Georgia. That's the earliest match that I could find um, that that's when his, his debut was. So uh, some people may say 14. So depending, you know, on any time of year, could have been 13, 14-ish. But there you go from 1974, man. You know, it's a long time ago as a young boy that looked like a grown-ass man yeah. that could get in the ring and go. So that's, that's a little bit of background on, on Terry Gordy being one of the big men in professional wrestling that could fucking go. I've got a way I read it that I'll get to, but we'll get to yeah. that in a couple numbers here. Yeah, um, our notes are just a little bit. There's not because Jeremy or, I, or the professor and I, in this case, he's again, folks, he's done some really good background stuff on this. It was just uh, just dates are off here and there sometimes, but but we're really, really close. We'll say that if you want to fact yeah. check. Well, and, and, you know, here's the thing. I mean, Terry's been dead for 20 years or just yeah. about. <clears throat> he broke in 20 years before that, roughly. You know, I mean, he yeah. was, oh, well, actually 25 years before that. Yeah. So <clears throat> some of his history is buried in that early 70s. You know, we weren't allowed to know stuff about people back then. And so right. there's there's some rumor, there's some innuendo, there's some legend. But we're going to get as close as we can, by God. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, how about giving us number nine, Jeremy? Because I know a lot of our fans become familiar with this guy from this area here. Yeah. So I'm going to go with number nine being his reign as the United Wrestling Federation World Champion. Now, for me... Where I started getting into this stuff was, you know, uh, there was syndicated pro wrestling on ESPN and we had two channels here, 58 and 44, that had a lot of weird syndicated shows. And there was one or two that just gathered clips from different territories and aired them. So for me, I was seeing the Freebirds in WCCW, AWA and UWF almost at the exact same time. So, Man. you know, so I was like a year or so ahead, you know, I was getting some WCW and AWA at the same time, and then UWF went syndicated, so it comes out on the air a little bit later, so I'm seeing those same guys, and it was, so for me, it's all kind of in there together, but Terry, right. Terry was world champion out of coming out of the tournament, and the guys who were world champion in UWF are a veritable stew of awesome brawler types. I mean, this was just like a world championship for tough guys. Yeah. Steve Williams, Hacksaw Jim Duggan before he was a fucking buffoon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one man gang. I mean, it was just yeah. like, just. And, and Watts liked those big, strong, tough guys too. Yeah. He had that persona. He never had used little guys before. I mean, we'll get to that's another whole other episode, but yeah. So the guys that were working are, like you said, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and some of these guys, Jim Duggan, you know, like you said before, he was a cartoon character or what have you. Uh, you know, legitimate dude. He, you know, he was a wrestler in high school and all that and could go, brawl and go, you know. So, and yeah. here's Terry Bam Bam Gordy. So that's a good time for him to be there. Oh, yeah, it was perfect. And you know what? I actually, I know the UWF was only around for a year. I really liked it. So, yeah. uh, unfortunately for me, I think of the UWF before I think of Mid-South because I didn't get to see that till later. But, yeah, that's what happened to me. I heard about the UWF, but I actually got to see the Mid-South a little bit later. So Yeah. But, yeah, for me, uh, Terry Gordy I always will always be a little bit stood out because that UWF championship reign and the handful of guys who were in that title scene there. But, of course, yeah. he was with the Freebirds there, too. So, you know, that was a big yeah. part of it. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, let's jump down here to number eight, man. I think all of our fans are going to know this. And that is, um, he was set number eight is he was a huge, huge star over in Japan, man. Yeah. Um, 
uh, as uh, Stan Hansen said, Bobble was grooming Gordy to take my spot in the company, um, and that you know that's, that's before his, his accident, and we can, we can talk about that you know just a little bit. Yeah, he, yeah. He basically had had a, uh, uh, on an earlier OD. I don't know exactly what took place, but but basically uh, another time he was on a, on a flight over there. I don't think it's a big secret now, but he but he had a drug overdose on a flight to Tokyo, and I guess was in a coma for like five days, and he never was. You know, really right after that, as far as his work rate, he was still there, but it just like the enthusiasm maybe wasn't there that he had at one time. You know, he slowed down maybe a step, if you will. Yeah. But at, at, but prior to that, he had just been such a huge star there. Like I said, uh, Hanson said that he enjoyed, you know, being his partner as well as his opponent. It really put him over, man. Uh, he started working way back in 83 for Baba's All Japan Company. Um, and then um, he also uh, won the uh, Triple Tramp. Triple crown tw uh, three twice right yes right twice yes. yeah he got he he won it then Hanson beat him did he beat Hanson I think is the way that went but uh, he was a huge over Terry Bam Bam Gordy in Japan was just over man um, I know early on I'd seen Terry Gordy way back in the Memphis days and then of course the free bird but then there was a jump there I didn't see him for a little bit until I went down to uh, maybe a two or three year period I didn't see him a lot I'll say on TV and. Uh, then I got down to the training in, in Florida, and when I was down there, they, the guys had magazines they had been trading, also uh, old VHS tapes, tapes they had been trading. They were relatively just a week or two old, you know, of guys from Japan because of people coming and going out of Tampa through the camp. And I started seeing Gordy again in the early 90s, and he was just killing people over Japan, man. I'm like, holy shit, man. That's that's quite impressive. Uh, that's where Terry Bam Bam Gordy's been. That's why I haven't seen him. You know, I smartened up a little bit, but he was just killing guys, man. Man. Um, and also taking his bumps, too. You know what I'm saying? He was bumping oh, yeah. his ass off these guys, too. So it's really cool. Um, anyway, uh, go ahead and talk a little bit about more Japan if you'd like to. And I, I've got, I'll tell you later on, uh, more relevant to, to Japan time watching those tapes. But anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's just that Gordy is one of those guys that, you know, Steve Williams, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, just that, you know, he must have looked like Godzilla when he came to the ring. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he was huge in Japan. Baba did a good job of promoting gaijin wrestlers. Also, there's another thing they do in Japan, like that Triple Crown Championship. This thing where they stack championships to add credibility to, e to e each title that's in there, but to the guy who carries it as well and back and forth. I love the way they handle titles in Japan. Yeah. I mean, that's... Well, I think they do it with respect, you know? They, yeah. They they, they they honor they honor the sport still, you know? Yeah. They, they protect the business. How's that? <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, so uh, I'm going to throw this in as a quick aside just so I can talk a little bit about Baba real quick. But uh, my son shows up yesterday with my birthday present, and it's a signed picture of Harley Race. Awesome. Yeah, which I was stoked by. Uh, it, right here where I record, and that is now right in my eye line, right above that is the NWA title. Right above that is a picture uh, that was made by Sparks, one of our listeners. He sent me the file. And it's got Harley and Briscoe and Giant Baba and Terry Funk and Dusty and Tommy Rich and Flair and Kerry Von Erich all holding the belt. So, nice. so, you know, as I'm putting the picture up, Mike is looking at that. He's like, um, is that a Noki? And I'm like, no, 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 that's Baba. And he goes, who's Baba? And I said, well, it's All Japan Pro. I said, basically, in Japan, you know, you had Ricky Dozan post-World War II made mm -hmm. wrestling huge in Japan. And he had two star pupils, Noki and Giant Baba. And when Ricky Dozan was murdered, they each went their own way and formed, you know, Inoki formed NJPW and Baba formed AJPW. 
And so this, that's when you went to Japan, it was kind of like Ver, kind of like Ganya versus McMahon in that you had these two who had a past relationship and had worked together, but all of a sudden things start getting worse and worse between them. They get further and further apart. And, uh, yeah. Baba was a guy, who, you know, Anoki, Anoki booked what was good for Anoki. Baba started to take a step back and use himself in a tag team or a third man tag team position to promote younger people. And he was good at getting Stan Hansen and these guys over. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I think that was why Terry Gordy was a perfect fit for AJPW. He sure was, man. And I'll tell you right there is why you got the moniker, the professor. So don't ever give up that gimmick, man, because that that history on Japanese wrestling just now was awesome, Professor. Thank you so much, man. That's yeah. great. And well, you, you nailed it. Nailed it, man. Well, I think sometimes I, I do go around the world across the street, but, you know, we get there. We get there. That's eventually. all right. Yeah. Sometimes it's all right to do, man. Hey, you know what? Won't you uh, tell us a little bit about Anchor real quick if you don't care? Oh, absolutely. Um, in my totally spontaneous way of speaking about Anchor, and that's why I like having our show on Anchor. <laughs> it's nice to be there. Thank you. Yeah. All right, I think we're in November 7, if I'm not correct, after that long commercial break there. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. That's uh, so <laughs> number seven. Go okay, ahead. so for me, I, I, I can talk about this for a little bit longer, too. But uh, in 1987 to 1993, Terry Gordy was in a tag team with the greatest tag team name ever, the Miracle Violence Connection. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Doc. Yep. Dr. Death Steve Williams, man. Oh, that's, that's, that's a classic. Miracle violence connection oh yeah there's the, the japanese have such a style in the way they name things and like kill bill has one of my favorites about it where they're like oh yeah they call themselves the crazy 88 there's <laughs> yeah there's 88 of them no they just think it sounds cool <laughs> yeah because they just kept coming didn't they? yeah uh, it's way more than 88 but yeah so uh some of the titles i guess you have written down here the all japan pro wrestling uh world tag team champions five times uh, World Strongest Tag Team League, Determination League. Mm-hmm. What's that, four or five times you've got written down there? Uh, Go ahead and tell us some more great things that this tag team of Dr. Death Steve Williams and Terry Bam Gordy. Terry Bam Bam Gordy had. The oh, yeah, team. yeah. So they were PWI Tag Team of the Year in 1992. They okay, were, okay. They I'm were, with you there. Yeah, they were number 16 of the 100 best tag teams during the PWI years. Now, as close as I could figure, the PWI years – they kind of, I, from what I could figure out how they were using that is kind of like while kayfabe was still alive, I think is how yeah. they, how they define PWI years. Yeah. Um, you know, they were in world championship wrestling. They held uh, the tag teams there one time. They were NWA world tag team champions one time. Uh, they won an NWA world tag team championship tournament once. Um, you know, they were in the Observer Newsletter Awards Tag Team of the Year 1992. I mean, just they were a yeah. killer dominant tag team. Yeah. And again, some of those things I got to see early on was from those types that Malenko's up. When I say Malenko's guy, I'm talking about like, you know, several people had different apartments and uh, there's, you know, we train four days a week and then we have shows on the weekend, some days or some weekends. And so a lot of different guys coming in and out and several of the guys that, like I said, traded tapes and, uh, Everyone has their favorites, and of course, I was always a Terry Gordy fan and a uh, big man like that. And man, he was just one of I'd see just him and Williams and and uh, Stan. I'd see like again, this is you know go back to your your time frame here, like your you know early nineties. Uh, he'd been going on over what for 
since 83. So this is, you know, anything probably 89 when I was at camp, 89, 90, 91-ish. Any of those three years, take your pick of, of matches I may have seen, and you can see all these guys just demolishing each other, demolishing all the Japanese wrestlers. And just, just uh, I'll come back to this, but Terry Gordy, when he powerbombed someone, it was just like, oh, my God, I don't want to yeah. be that guy, you know. Oh, Jesus, so, uh, yeah. Good stuff. Well, he had, he had, a, he had a nasty powerbomb, and I guess in Japan – one of his monikers was the original Powerbomb. Yeah. Um, which, you know, just, it, it kind of just sets you up. It's, it's another one that just sounds cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, excuse me real quick. Yep. Um, you got to get a drink. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. I'm no looking problem. at number six, and this is just what I think all of our fans could really, really appreciate, man. And that's just a legacy. Yeah. That's just a legacy of three-man teams, man. The Freebird rule that we have on this show here, we got from, of course, the Freebirds. Yep. It's just, uh, it's complimentary sometimes. And if you're new to the show, every once in a while, we when we do a top 10, if you go back somewhere, I'll give us the number one reason we like this person, and Jeremy will break up the Freebird rule, and it'll be one better than mine. Or vice versa. Professor says, Bobby, here's who the number one this person is, or or reason why. And I'm like, hold on, Jeremy, I'm throwing down a Freebird rule, and I'll throw out one more smart-ass remark. Boom, and we have fun with it here, man. Yep. But um, just the legacy of the of the free birds that Terry Gordy left behind, man. Uh, the the music entrances. Uh, yeah. His children, WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, go on there, Professor. Tell us some more. Oh yeah. So I I didn't realize this. Jesse Dalton from Jesse and Festus. Jesse mm -hmm. Dalton was uh, Terry Ray Gordy Jr. I didn't. Okay. I didn't know that. You know. So I he, did not know it either. Yep. So he accepted. Uh, he accepted Terry's nomination to the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, you know, when Terry went in with the Freebirds. Okay. Um, which unfortunately by the time that had come around, you know, Bad Street was dead. Yeah. Terry was dead. Buddy Jack was dead. So I just left Michael P.S. Hayes and, uh, you know, Jimmy Jam. Yeah. And I always had trouble accepting Jimmy as one of the Freebirds just because. But, uh, so he accepted that for his father, but he wrestled in the WWE until 2010. He has a daughter named Miranda Gordy, who's in, in Japan and in the Indies and is selling t-shirt stuff. I, I tweeted it out the other day from our, uh, Bell to Bell Blaze account on Twitter. Okay. Uh, he had a, uh, nephew named, uh, Richard Slinger who mm -hmm. wrestled in AJPW. So he's yeah. got family that's still out there, still active, still contemporary in the sport. Uh, but the three man team, you know, rule. Um, New Day uses that to this day. There you go. So, I mean, there are always teams that are using that Freebird rule. I mean, it's considered a, a valid tag team rule. Um, you know, we talked about music before the Freebirds. You had Gorgeous George using Pomp and Circumstance. Uh, maybe one or two other guys who used a song here and there. But nobody had ever used a contemporary rock and roll or southern rock song like Skinnerd. Yeah. To this point to come to the ring and man, you know, that, that was just a great gimmick to do. Yeah. And then, so they are really the ones that started entrance music as we think about it today. So obviously that's still being yeah. used. Yeah. So, and I heard the story and this is again, this is a third hand story. Well known throughout the wrestling community. I, if you listen to other podcasts, I'm sure it's been mentioned on several. First heard this probably way back when I was, you know, Smoky Mountain in the, you know, early to mid nineties. And it was, uh, basically, I guess 
they got to a building out in Watts' territory and uh, Michael PSAs and Terry Gordy, you know, they said, hey, we want to come out to this music. And they said it to someone, uh, whoever's in charge of music production or whatever. And, and I guess the word was at the time, Bill Watts' response was, why are them boys taking their marijuana pills again? <laughs> <laughs> of course, you get marijuana pills now. But, but given a time frame being, you know, late 70s, I guess, you know, uh, smoking marijuana and taking marijuana pills or just taking pills could be, uh, not to make like of our subject matter here, but just saying, um, yeah, I guess Watts said, what are them boys taking them marijuana pills again or something like that? Like, and, and I, oh. you know, of course it got over, you know, it yeah. comes to the building, got over. And then when you hear that song, you know, if I leave, when, when they break out, man, you know, oh man, uh, the fans would be going crazy and they're come down strutting that out aisle, man. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I know our fans will really appreciate that. Now that story, it's been you know washed through the mud here and there, and and, and mooped up and and uh, this and that. I'm sure there's some you know it has a it has some truth in there somewhere. We'll just say that. Uh, but they had that free bird lifestyle, and I guess that's what re uh, the reference was more than anything that Wass was making. Basically, are you fucking crazy or what? But yeah. it got over. It got over big. That's so, good. And you uh, know maybe. there there is something here that I'll reference real quick. You want to talk about legacy? Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time starts with the Freebirds coming to the ring. Highland, yeah. Highlander. Okay, right on, man. Yeah, Highlander, remember, starts at a, a fake match at Madison Square Garden where the Freebirds are against Tonga Kid, Greg Gagne, and I don't remember who the third man is. But you, you see, you know, Michael P.S. Hayes doing his kind of sleazy dance moves and stuff and them coming to the ring. So that will always be out there, and that will always be one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. So There you go, man. Hey, earlier you mentioned you got a hold of uh, uh, Miranda on Twitter. Real quickly, I'm going to give out our Twitter accounts. You can follow me at BobbyBlaze744 on Twitter, and I hope you do. You can follow Jeremy at the Geekish Cast, and we've got a joint account, and we both was on there this week. Jeremy will sign J or Jeremy, and I'll put B or Bobby if it's just not – if it's something personal that we've written on this, but it's the uh, – on Twitter is at Bell to Bell Blaze and follow that account and share and let us know, you know, what you think about the show and, and give us feedback. Like we was both talking the other day, uh, Professor and myself to Ziggy Dice, like we was talking about. You get the right time. Um, I've talked to several people on that's Twitter. And I also know there's um, um, a Facebook page at Bell to Bell Blaze, too, also, right, Professor? Yep. yep. That's okay, it. I'm not on that, but I know Professor, you know, checks it and and all that. And I mentioned earlier the YouTube channel, which is at, uh, you know, uh, tinyurl.com slash video, and you can check that out too. So uh, just wanted to get those in there before we go into number five here. Yeah, um, you know One what? One of my personal favorites. I don't think we're going to do it this week, but we keep putting it off. Uh, we did get a message from Nate on the on the voicemail for the show. Yes. I yeah, yeah, and I think we'll open next week's show with it so we can talk about when we'll cover it. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, because that'll be a that'll be a good podcast when we get to that subject matter. Yeah, um, absolutely, it will. Yeah. So yeah, so get a hold of us on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. Hit Jeremy up at the Geekish Cast or hit the joint account up at Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. We appreciate that very much. Uh, number five, Jeremy is one of my favorites. Um, it's the payoff that bonded them, okay? Okay. And uh, this took place apparently in uh, Nisky, West, uh, West, Nisky, Mississippi. Um, 
basically Michael Hayes had learned to he he was pretty smart, obviously still in the wrestling business, uh, how to how to do a payoff. And they used to get forty bucks at, uh, at that town uh, out in the Mississippi Territory. And I, I'm pretty sure it's after they turned they had, he had an idea to territory Gordy Hill, and I'm not sure if he saved his head or not. But anyway, basically when they got there. Um, they were supposed to get, you know, the, the $40 was, was the payoff. But since the half was up, they should have gotten 50 And Hayes went to the promoter and said, hey, you know, he started raising hell about it. You know, he didn't like it. And the promoter basically said, you know, uh, hey, if you don't like it, you can leave. Well, in order to save face, uh, you know, just I'm a man kind of thing, he just basically left, okay? And, mm-hmm. and I've heard it two different ways. One, Gordy said, you know, hey, I'll be with you in a minute, you know, because Hayes walked out. But I, I heard it this way, that sounds better. But by the time he actually got out to the truck, um, or the van maybe, I don't know what they were driving at that time, Gordy was already there. And Michael, he goes, uh, man, I don't, about the same time, one of them said, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And he said, I don't either, but we're doing it together. And Michael Hayes knew at that moment right there that he had a brother, that Terry Bam Bam Gordy was just his brother. Because he, Hayes just was leaving the company to save face and Gordy said, fuck it. You know, that's my brother. I'm going with them. If we should have got $50, we should have got $50. If Michael Hayes is gone, I'm gone. And boom, they got, and they left and they stuck together for years, man. But that's, that's, uh, that's the way I've heard it. And that's why I'm going to remember it. Um, I read a little article about it and, and, uh, anyway, that's the payoff that bonded them as brothers and Freebird or Freebird, the Freebird lifestyle, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I love that story. I didn't know that. Uh, Cornette has a very similar one about leaving, I think, when Jim Hurd was running WCW, where yeah. it was just like, okay, we're out. And then, you know, Stan Lane's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, those stories are always cool just to hear, like, because I always wondered, you know, how, how loyal are Hungry Dogs? And, you know, wrestlers, I mean, especially back then, guys busted their ass for a Saturday night or a Thursday night or a Friday night payoff. They worked all fucking week to try to get to that one that one gig that was going to really pay for the week. Yeah. And then, you know, okay, so now your pal feels like you're getting shit on and he's ready to walk. Yeah. You know, where, where do I go? I mean, I can stick around. I know I can get this. But if I go with him, you know, I'm being supportive and I'm being fucking loyal and maybe something better will happen in the long yeah. run. So that's why well, I like that story. That's the thing about wrestling. I, I put this out there and I'll talk a little bit about one of my books later on, but I think I put it pin me, pay me. There was an attitude in professional wrestling. It's a right for me. Fuck you, Jack. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm getting my push Hooray for me. I, I got a $50 payoff or $500, whatever it may have been. Uh, you know, I've got this belt or I'm getting this push on TV. So hooray for me. Fuck you. Fuck you, Jack. You know, like yeah. fuck off. So you ain't concerned about number one. But, you know, there there are stories out there. Um, I, I knew the one about the Midnights and, and like I said, this free bird, and I've heard it a couple of different ways, but that's that's the glue of it. And there's times that, you know, your integrity and your friendship and your brotherhood, you know, uh, mean more than, you know, hey, for her right for me. It's it's pretty much, you know what, fuck it. We're, we're leaving, whether to save face or to, to go to something better. But by God, we're doing it in the best interest of our friendship and what's best for us, you know, as individuals. Yeah, that's a good thing that you don't hear that, you know, right for me. Fuck you, Jack. But hey, you know what? I'll meet you in a car. I don't know where I'm going, but I'll be there with you, brother. You know, yeah. so no, anyway, that's a great story just because yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't you take us number four, Professor? Well, number four. And you, you guys know I, I like some goofy shit sometimes. But uh, number four, I, I'm going to go with the Asiatic spike. They used to call it the Oriental spike, but I believe they're trying to mm-hmm. clean that up now. Um, so you got to. <laughs> You gotta, you know, picture this a little bit here. The, the story is, 
And this was in WCCW. The story is that Terry comes back from Japan. And his new, he's got his new friend with him, Killer Khan, who was, they dressed him like a Mongol raider from the, <laughs> from the 13th century. So, so, you know, he's running around with the Freebirds. Now, you got a picture, like, just in your head. Imagine, like, one of the horde of Genghis Khan hanging out with the Freebirds, hitting nightclubs and bars in Texas. Just, just that picture alone <laughs> kind of makes it worth it. But, um, so Killer Khan, you know, the, you know, the Freebirds are working with him because he's Terry's pal and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, Khan just starts going ape shit all over the whole company using a move called the Asian Spike or the Oriental Spike, which is you'd come out and dude's hand would be taped up and his thumb would be taped into a straight line. And it was kind of like the claw. He'd jam this into a guy's neck. Dude goes down, passes out, shits his pants, matches over. Well, so Khan starts going nuts. Well, it turns out, I think, was it uh, Admiral Akbar who turned to be uh, pulling the levers behind Killer yes, Khan, I think? Yes, yeah. Yes. So now he turns on Terry and the Freebirds, and he's going and running amok through WCW, and the only man who can stop him is Terry Gordy, who knows how to use the Asiatic Spike as well. But this also gives us one of the greatest little interview pieces ever, where... <laughs> Don't touch my van. <laughs> <laughs> where where Bill Mercer is looking for an interview with the Freebirds, and he finds him living in a van under a bridge somewhere. <laughs> and it's one of those, like, brown rapist vans with curtains in the window. Like, one of those ones, like, you don't want to see this van driving down your street, man. <laughs> and Terry just goes batshit over Bill Mercer trying to open the door to the van. Bobby, I, I, I don't know how much of this you've seen, but... Oh, this thing put me in stitches when I was watching it. Oh, I watched it all, man. I was cracking up. I loved it. Uh, Gordy got down on the damn sidewalk with a street or whatever, the asphalt with a turtle rolling around and, you know, don't touch my van. You don't want to see me upset and this and that. Man. And all the thing about it was, too, hey, Khan was just his friend. That's just my friend. This is my brother. You know, Terry, yeah. uh, he was talking about Michael Hayes. This is a brotherhood here, the Freebirds, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it was pretty funny. But it's funny that, that Bill Merce was lurking around Merce was lurking <laughs> around that van. That's what got me at the very beginning. There's a couple of Bill Merce interviews, but he just kind of, he's like creeps onto the camera. <laughs> he's up and starts talking to Michael. He goes, man, you don't want to talk to Terry right now. And he's like, yeah, maybe I do. You know, no, you don't. You know, he just oh, works it God, up. Yeah. I was cracking up, man. I loved it, though. It was really good. Uh, good TV, as they say, you well, know. You know, yeah, and Bill Mercer, I mean, you got to remember, like, I don't know if people, like, how many people actually know this. Bill Mercer is the guy that broke the news about Kennedy's assassination in Dallas. Oh, man. Uh, Bill Mercer was, like, a legit news guy at one point, yeah. you know. Like, and I know he's on our top ten announcers list. Oh, uh, yeah. If you go back to that podcast where we've done the top ten professional wrestler announcers and, and color commentators, Bill Mercer's up there, I think, at number ten or nine. He's near the top. Oh, yeah. And then uh, also he's over there on the YouTube channel. That uh, we talked about earlier, at text it had taken and, and put some Bill Mercer footage, uh, not this footage exactly, <laughs> but some other Bill Mercer footage uh, onto that uh, oh, to, to break this news about, uh, you know, uh, Con, you know, needs to calm down and I want to take care of him as Terry Gordy, but don't touch my van. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just just the, the, the whole just the absurdity of some of it, like, you know, just the idea of Killer Con running around and hanging out with the Freebirds. 
Yeah. And then, you know, them in, so broken down and upset, they're down in a van by the river, like, uh, like Chris Farley would have said. Exactly. And then yeah. you got Bill Mercer, like this legit news guy with the perfect, I mean, the perfect sports voice, the perfect yeah. sports voice. And he's just like creeping around some molester van out the middle of nowhere. Just, At least the radio works. We know what song it plays. Free Barber. That's it. <laughs> there you oh, go. Man. Sorry. I, right. I had to get uh, that one in there, but it, it just amuses me so much. That's good. Yeah. No, I loved it, man. Uh, let's go to number three. I'll let you fill us in. I'll, I'll start it and you fill it in because you found some information I, I was not aware of. So I said he broke in at the age of 13, which is, again, or take, you know, a month or two, probably within his 14th birthday, we'll say. I don't know. But, um, again, he was with uh, Jerry Jarrett. It was in Rossville, Georgia, and uh, they were the mass scavengers. And then, anyway, I do know that, you know, he was a big, strong kid, as we talked about, and he had potential to go into – potentially going into football or basketball, but tell us some more right there, Jeremy. I'll let you pick up Mayor Professor in this case, because you found some stuff I wasn't aware of. I just knew he had gotten into wrestling at a young age. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, and so, you know, I'm hoping the independent research, because I ended up having to read a bunch of different articles and trying to piece things together and try to get an idea yeah. of what I thought happened. So apparently he had an uncle who trained him in wrestling. The guy's name was Captain, Captain Hook J.D. Kyle. But the way I've got it in my head, and hopefully this is pretty pretty accurate, uh, was at the age of 13, while Terry was trying to figure out what he was going to do with his life, baseball, basketball, football, whatever, dropped out of school, turned his back on the whole thing, and started training to do pro wrestling. Um, and for, I don't know, for our younger audience members who may not know the Flintstones, uh, Betty and Barney's kid was named Bam Bam, and he was as strong as like uh, 10 men. Yeah. And, and Terry was at 13. He looks, you can find his matches. He wrestled under the name Terry Mecca at 14 years old. And he looks like a grown fucking man at 14. So the way I got this was that he dropped out at 13, trained for a while, and then got his first match when he was 14. That's the way mm. I read it. Now, there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot of interpretation to get there though. Yeah. But apparently his uncle who trained him was a one armed man named Captain Hook. Yeah, I, I like that history lesson there, Professor. Thanks for filling us in. I was unaware of that. Um, and I, I think it's one of those things you give or take a month or so with, with birthdays being like as they may. But like you said, you can find, I think, he with Ernie Ladd, and there's another couple other matches on here of Terry Mecca. And you can see he looks like a damn grown-ass man, and he could be, you know, 14 or 15 on some of those tapes. I don't know, you know. But he's a kid. We'll say, but yeah. He, yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, it's one of those things where – a young Terry Mecca, future Terry Gordy, or what have you, just got started way too young, a professional wrestling man, and uh, really had, you know, I think he had like a 27-year career from that point, you know, yep. taking the time he entered at the time he was still still involved in professional wrestling, at, you know, towards the end there, near his death, so um, in some capacity. But anyway, uh, anything else about that? Before we move on. Uh, no, that was really it. He just got started, like, probably way too young. I mean, you hear stories yeah. all the time about guys who got started young in wrestling, but 13, 14 strikes me as awfully young. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, number two, I'm just going to say this, and Professor can say the next line, but everyone on here is probably going to guess what number two is, and that is Devon Eric Feud. Yeah, the, uh, the cage door slam heard round the world. Yes, um, man. That was a pretty big deal. So you got a cage match. Michael Hayes is the referee. It's Kerry Von Erich versus Ric Flair for the world title. 
Just to make sure no monkey business is going on, Terry Gordy's man in the door of the cage. Michael Hayes basically knocks out Ric Flair, tells Kerry to go for the pin, but, you know, he's a Von Eric. He's not going to do yeah. that. Yeah, he's not. You know, he's he's all like a Texas gentleman. He's not going to do that. He's not a Jack Daniel drinker. He's a damn milk drinker. That's right. That's you right. Know? You know? And so uh, Michael Hayes knocks out, or was does he attack? Oh, no, he bails. Michael Hayes bails yeah. out of the ring. Kerry yep. goes to follow him. And Bam Bam smashes his head with the cage door. There you go, man. Knocks him out cold. Which led to matches of the year in 1984 to Von Erich and the Freak Birds, man. I think that is the feud. feud. I think that is the feud that every wrestling company has been chasing ever since. Absolutely. I think you said at one point in this podcast, it went on for like 11 years <laughs> before it took some outdoor, some, something to a memorial show it took place. And, and like you said, I think all the Still trying to t- chase that though, you know. Still oh, chasing yeah. that one. Well, on this one, this this elevated the uh, the six man tag belts to like the most yes. important belt on, uh, title going on the WCCW show at the time. The Von Erichs going after the Freebirds yeah. for that title. Um, I mean, they were going at each other left and right. There's there's tons of tag matches, three man tag matches, uh, singles matches of of these six yeah. guys just tearing the shit out of each other over uh, an extended period of time. Yeah, and yeah. Then I, I don't need, maybe this will be very, very redundant for our listening audience. I don't know this. I'm just going to say it, though. If you don't know what the freeboard rule was, basically you got three of them going to a tag match, and that was the the leverage they had was you didn't ever, if Jeremy and I are wrestling the freebirds, uh, you know, the thing is we don't know which two we're going they can decide it could be Bam Bam and 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 and, and Mike Wood could be Bam Bam and, and Roberts. It just it could be Roberts and Hayes. It just depends. It depends on what their mood was that particular day. It was their rule. Yep. You know, who felt the best? Who was the best matchup against this other tag team over here of us three Freebirds? So that's that's where we got that from. Yep. And so. that included title matches for tag titles. When they yeah. defended tag titles, it could be any two of the three. And that's you couldn't prepare for the the tag team that you you know would thought might be the champion. It could be a combination of any of those three guys. Yeah. So and you that's know, when people protected a business. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> and back, back in the old days, how many matches did we watch where it's, Hey, he's been scouting them. He's been watching tapes. Yes. He's been, well, okay. So if you got guys changing all the time, you can't scout them. You don't, you yeah. can't learn their moves. You know, you can't yeah, figure you prepare for that match. Yeah. They don't, I don't think they talk about that so much these days, you know, No, and talk about protecting a business. Okay. Um, and I was talking about earlier up in the show here about uh, Bam Bam, Terry Gordy over Japan, just slinging guys all over the place and that big power bomb he had. So I'm, I got to actually meet Terry Gordy, and I got to wrestle with Terry Gordy. Down at Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and he came in, and, you know, I talked to him. I complete gentleman, wasn't, you know, an asshole or wasn't a mark or anything. I just, you know, told him I was a huge fan and just, you know, talked around, just bullshit around whatever when I saw him on some shows. Uh, so anyway, come to a TV taping. And uh, at this point, uh, I think Ricky Morton had already, he was out of the company for a couple months there, but but Tommy Rich and, and Terry Gordy were in the company. He was in the uh, Cornette's Army there for a while. So I ended up working with Robert Gibson quite a bit, actually, uh, house shows and this and that, and done some singles with him that led to tag teams when we were short-carded and stuff. So just, you know, a lot of good memories. But uh, the first time I got in a ring with Terry Gordy, I guess, um, I, I didn't know this, I guess Robert Gibson had gotten in his ear and, uh, you know, said, you know, I was marking out or whatever. 
I don't know how he said it or whatever. They they had known each other. Honestly, I think they'd known each other since they're about 14 or 15 years old. I, I I know Roberts talked about them when they knew each other since teenagers. So, you know, maybe, maybe 16 or 17, but I knew they knew each other for years and years. Um, and, and Robert and I always got along fine. But anyway, under Smoky Mountain, I tell the story of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So we're in the ring, and it's Robert and myself against uh, Tommy. And, and I'd been in the ring with Tommy a whole bunch of times, man. And Tommy's easy like a Sunday morning. It's, you know, but, but I'm in my mind with Terry Gordy, I'm going, man, this guy's going to fucking powerbomb me from hell. <laughs> He's going to, you know, I'm being one of those little Japanese guys over there getting us not beat out of me or whatever. But anyway, um, Robert and I, we have a little thing worked out. I go in and, you know, he does some of Bam Bam, uh, tag Tommy. They do something. I come in. I do some of Tommy. I look really good. You know, slick. We're shining up the baby faces. Boom. Gordy comes in, man, feeds me an arm, and I arm crank him. I know he's feeding me an arm drag, but I arm crank him, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at Robert Gibson, and Terry just turns his head. Now, you got to realize he's been over, uh, got his right hand like his right knee and I've got his left arm extended out, you know, and normally at that point I start throwing a couple kicks. I'd probably give another arm wrench and then I'd probably, you know, fucking arm drag him or something. Right. Uh, I'm still shining. I'm arm wrenching and I'm looking and I'm going to look up a hoot on an apron. Cause he's in our corner and, and Gordy looks at me and goes arm drag. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at him and I'm arm wrenching him again. And he just sells for me, bends over and I'm like, Fuck, he's gonna knock my head off. He's he, Terry fucking Gordy, you know. So I wrench it and uh, I hear him say, arm drag. <laughs> and I look at him and I cinch up into an arm bar. <laughs> I don't arm drag. I'm like, this is Terry fucking Gordy. I'm not arm dragging him. And I just take him to the corner and I tag hoot and I shoot him off. We do a little double tag team move and I jump out of the ring and they had, they had their next spot, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. Well, finally, you know, Tommy comes back in. Hoots tags me in, Robert does, and uh, basically uh, they cut me off. You know, you shoot me across, and I don't know, Gordy drops down or whatever he does, and or Tommy drops down rather, and Gordy gives me a knee to the back, and they, they cut me off for the heat spot. Okay. They're beating me up, beating me up, beating me up, you know. But it's in and out, in and out. It's like it's it's like I said, it's easy like a Sunday morning, really. And uh, finish is, man, they're going to – Tommy Rich is going to backdrop me. And Terry Gordy's going to catch me up in a powerbomb position. So I'm going to backdrop off of Tommy Rich and land on Gordy's shoulder with my feet on the other side of his head. And then he's going to powerbomb me from there. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, he's going to kill me if it's powerbomb. I can just see him driving me home through the mat. Oh, but anyway, uh, the spot comes up. It's time, you know, we shined. You know, uh, they cut us off with the heat spot. Got the hat tied to hoot. They cut us back off. Time to go home. Tommy shoots me off, gives me a big backdrop. I go up in the air, not nearly as high as I wanted to, but got pretty damn high up in the air. And I land on Gordy. And, man, he lays me down on that Smoky Mountain ring, just like putting a baby to bed, man. Just very nice. Boom. One, two, three. Thank you, brother. Boom. Roll out of the ring, man. I was like, I oh, survived Terry Gordy Firebomb. <laughs> but uh, anyway, looking with uh, booking the territory, uh, I've done several guest appearances on their shows, and there, there was a they talk about that match. And Gordy at that time uh, – and I'll finish this story up real briefly here. Basically, he didn't get us up like he used. He didn't give me time really to crunch, so I couldn't really get up to the full extent either, but he did lay me down really, really nice. And then Mike and the guys over there docked him when I was filling in for Harper. Uh, they was noticing that Terry wasn't actually picking everyone up like he was over in Japan at that time in his career due to the accident like we was talking about. Yeah. But he got me up. 
And the main thing was, once he had me up there, he he did take care of me. Appreciated that very much. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, roll out a ring, blah, blah, blah. We get in the back, and I go to him. And I was going to thank him. But before I could even thank, thank you, you know, um, he says, uh, hey, man. He goes, honestly, he goes, hey, brother, why didn't your arm drag me? I go, you're Terry fucking Gordy. He goes, didn't you hear me? And I said, yeah, Terry. I said, bro, I said, I heard you, man. I said, I said too much respect for you. I said, that's why I just cinched up into the arm bar. He goes, well, if we work again, just do what I ask you, man. I'll take an arm drag from you anytime, man. But see, I had it in my mind that, you know, he's going to go out there and beat me up. Yeah. And, you know, lay me out, uh, you know, all that. But it was, but Hoot had, had gotten to him earlier, you know, like, so I was marking away. And bottom line was I got to hang out with him a couple of times, real briefly, locker rooms here and there. Always really nice. You know, like I said, times had changed at that time. You could tell he was a step slower. But I got to be in a ring with Terry Bam Bam Gordy. And uh, that story probably not as long winter that I just now told it in my book, uh, Pin Me, Pay Me. So I'll do a cheap plug before we go into number one here, if you don't care, Professor. Absolutely. Plug away. Okay, so um, that story of several Smoky Mountain other stories, Smoky Mountain wrestling stories about me and Jerry Lawler, uh, meeting Terry Funk, uh, traveling the world from England to South Africa to Japan. I've got to go to Japan like five times, Australia, uh, England. Anyway, that book is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots, Will Travel. And the way you can find that, you can go to Amazon and find me, Bobby Blaze, Bobby Blaze Medley. But if you'd like to, and we'd appreciate this very much, if you decide you want to purchase something, just go, one of my books rather, just go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, and that will take you to Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost, Will Travel. Um, the show will get a little bit of a kickback out of that, so you can help sponsor the Pin Me uh the Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze podcast, if you purchase my book, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots for Travel. Now, on there, there's a second book as well. There's some e-books. Um, feel free to check those out. Just download them at your convenience. But uh, I've got a second book concerning wrestling, and it's called I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. And the way you can get that is go to tinyrail.com slash blazebook2. The professor has made it that simple. It's either Blaze Book 1 or Blaze Book 2, and it helps the show a little bit each month, and we appreciate it. If I sell a book, I get a smile on my face, and I'm happy. Jeremy's uh, Amazon account, the affiliate account, gets a couple cents sent to him. And, uh, you know, same thing for our Fight TV. Anything you can do to help this program, we appreciate it very much. And um, I, if you talked about this a lot on the show either, Professor, and that is reviews. Please leave us a review wherever you're getting this podcast at right now, whether it be Apple or Anchor or, I, well, I said iTunes, Apple, whatever. Leave us a review. We appreciate that. And as an author, authors, I got a new review just, I think, two months ago uh, from someone. I'm not sure who it is. Maybe a listener. I don't know, but they left me a nice review. I appreciate reviews on my books. Uh, if you like it, leave me a nice review and just let me know what you, you know, what you like about it. Um, I don't respond to any reviews. They encourage Amazon authors not to do that. But if I know someone that has through this podcast or through Twitter, I write them and thank them and say, Hey, you know, I don't do it on the uh, actual Amazon page. I don't respond to them there. It makes you, makes you look uh, like a goof, really. If you start arguing with someone over about a review, which yeah. I'm never going to do. Make your review all I ask for. The same as with this podcast. I'm sure the professor will tell you the same thing. All we ask for, honestly, is a fair and honest review. Just, you know, just let us know what you think of the uh, podcast or the books. And I've rambled on too much about meeting Terry Gordy, man. Let's go to number one, professor. Drop it down for us. Okay, well, number one is going to be the Freebirds. Uh, there is no way around that. The coolest thing that we can absolutely say about uh, Terry Gordy is that he was one of the Freebirds. 
one of the two yep. original members with Michael P.S. Hayes. Yep. Uh, they were um, raising hell and running over territories. Matter of fact, uh, they brought Buddy Jack in to calm him down. I don't think that worked. I was hoping you'd tell that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just a wild as in, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Um, then we can't forget Bad Street came in at one time, and then Jimmy Jam Garvin also. But when we talk Freebird, we normally talk Buddy Jack and, and Michael P.S. Hayes and Terry Bam and Gordy. And as Cornette said back on uh, uh, to uh, his DVD set, Back back to the Territories, he says, uh, the Freebirds aren't a package, but Terry Gordy was the star of the show in terms of performance. And we've talked about some of his performances here today, man. And I, I really hope you've enjoyed this podcast as to why we love Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Yeah, it's um, you know, you really got to go back and watch some of the older matches. You got to see their time in WCCW. Uh, yeah. You know, even their time in AWA is fine. Um, I did find the story. I don't know how true it is. Apparently, they were at WWF for like a minute and a half, but they kept showing up late and drunk, so Andre kicked them out. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't know how true that and is. And I was just going to say, the show might have started off like a shit sandwich, but it finished up like a steak, and then you drop that on us. Oh, no, no. See, I, <laughs> no, look, man, kidding. young guys, look, young guys running around are the guys who should be showing up late and fucked up to work. That's that's yeah. when you do that, you know, not when you're our age. That's the yeah. time, you know. Um, let lifestyle go at some point, I guess. Yep. So. Uh, now, what, what I did come across with Terry Gordy for such a big badass who liked to get out and raise hell not really that much of a problem outside the ring, it sounds like. He was actually nah. like kind of kind of mild-mannered and a cool guy to be around, didn't cause a lot of trouble. So, you know, that's always kind of cool to find out about guys, because yeah. when you look at, you know, you look at these pictures of them drinking Jack Daniels next to a picture of the Von Erichs drinking milk. Right. Whole milk, of course, because, you know, you can't get in that low-fat stuff. That's how drug addictions <laughs> start. Um, you know, just that, that juxtaposition. And then you find out, like, a guy like Bam Bam was just, like, cool, mild-mannered. You know, yeah, yeah, he's big, but he wasn't a problem anywhere. That's just kind of a cool thing to find out. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I the times I was around him, he was fine in the locker room. You know, everything was cool. And, and I, I just one of those things that, you know, I'm glad I got to meet him, man. I, you know, one of those things. Glad I got to wrestle him mm-hmm. and uh, be a part of my experience and in, in my involvement in the world of professional uh, wrestling. And um, anyway, I hope everyone out there has enjoyed this podcast, Professor. Once again, we've had some really good notes provided by you. Uh, we filled in a lot of spots there that we just kind of like back and forth. I'd say you write something, I'd add to it. Um, you would add something to it, and it'd be like, then you know. And that's what helps with this podcast is just. Uh, there's a million other reasons we could have come up with, you know, why we like Terry Gordy or this and that, or, you know, why we do our list and stuff. But this week, like I said, just before I close out here, when uh, we had our TV shows going up and I was like, ah, we had talked off air last week. Well, I had me about two or three and professor had me, him about two or three. I was like, okay. And her nose popped up. And like I said, man, uh, when, when, when he said, <laughs> I just woke up, I think it's Tuesday morning. It said, we need to do Terry Gordy. And I went, fucking a yep. <laughs> yes and we just come up and i had fun um i will say with a couple of down times if you, you know youtube and stuff when there's a couple of things like i don't want to see this or see that but for the most part man when you go back and look at all that footage like at bill mercer <laughs> following him down by the van down by the river i mean there's some good stuff out there and, and good matches obviously too, oh yeah just, you know, but uh, uh i had really what i was getting as i had fun during this week's research and um getting to watch some footage and, and doing some reading of articles and things like that so uh, once again, I hope you enjoyed it. Follow me on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. Follow Jeremy at the Geek of Cast, or follow our joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze. And uh, I'll let you say a few more things, Professor. We close it out there, man. What a good week though for it. 
Other yeah. than the other thing we talked about at the beginning, forget that, ichnay that. It's good. Yeah, besides all that, you know, um, it, it, you know, I did have fun. Because you know what? I, I don't think a lot about the Freebirds besides when you and I talk. And yeah. going back, checking this stuff out, I'm seeing shit that I haven't seen since I was a teenager. And I'm like, oh, God, that was really cool. Oh, yeah. I remember, oh Jesus, that was awesome. You know, just all the cool stuff that was going on at the time. And then Terry, I didn't watch a lot of uh, uh, the Miracle Violence Connection back in the day, but I get to go back now and watch some of those yeah. AJPW matches and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I have fun doing the research because we do get to dig in and watch matches either we haven't seen in 20 years or we have never seen. Um, right. You know, and then I, I don't know how much behind our gimmick you want to get, but the way we write the show is we have a Google Doc that we both have access to. So we can do our research independently and then start working out the notes to kind of end up, you know, with with a cohesive story by the time we're yeah. done. So that's really handy. I got to thank Google for putting that together because that's a hell of a lot easier than we used to go. Yeah, I was going to say used to some of these things, these top 10, we might not start. I would say 20, but realistic, we'd have like 15 mm-hmm. really good ideas. And then we'd have to go back and forth and talk and text. And we'd get that down like 12. And they were like, okay, Bobby, do you really want this to be a reason we like them. I'm like, okay, I can do about that person on this list. Or, oh, if you like this guy over and over during our list, it was, it got to where we had like, oh man, we felt bad if we had to leave something off the list. But this way here, we could pretty much arrive within, with, within our week, we get down to 10 or 12 really quick. And then we already have our top 10 out of that. We can eliminate one or two things really quick. So it really has helped a lot. I love it doing it this way a lot better than, as you call it, trading horses. Oh yeah. Let me say this real quickly, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. By the time you people get this podcast, speaking of horses, it's not the first weekend of May. It's not the first Saturday of May, folks. But the Kentucky Derby is coming up next weekend. It's coming Saturday uh, over the weekend. Now, you got the Oaks on Friday. you got the Derby on Saturday. I know it's a little bit out of uh, sequence there for the Triple Crown this year because it's usually the first Saturday of May, a big deal in Kentucky. But that's going to take a minute here before I close out is this. If you go to the Kentucky Derby or if your area is having high school football or sports in general or you go to large gatherings or you're just out in public, please, we're in crazy times as we spoke about earlier in the podcast. Try to win today. Here's some things that may help you. Wear your mask. Practice social distancing. And just take care of each other out there, people. And mainly take care of yourself right now. And I had to do this to myself Thursday night during a little meditation session I was having. That was this, man. You know, I, I read a little thing, like I said, you know, win today kind of thing. And I was like, uh, you said this last Sunday, be kind to yourself. I was like, man, just quit talking down to yourself and be kind to yourself, Bobby. J- you know, chill the fuck out kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. relax, man. Have a beer or something, dude. You're, you're getting too tense with everything going on. So that's, that's just uh, a nickel's worth of advice for you, man. Yeah. And so that's from, that's from me, you know. Yeah, anyway. that's um. Yeah, I just I've noticed that there's this thing. Everybody is there's like two camps out. People are either anxious or they're acting like nothing's going on. Um, you know, and you shouldn't be afraid to do everything, but you should be safe about how you do anything. Right. You know, yeah. you know, if you're if you're an intravenous drug user, always use a clean needle. If you're gonna fuck somebody you don't know, use a condom. And if you're gonna go out in public, keep your social distancing and wear a mask. These are just you know things that you can do to protect yourself and the people around you. It shouldn't be rocket surgery, Bobby. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, and I'll use your line to close us out. Just don't be a dick. Yeah, 
And with that being said, that? yeah, with that being said, I couldn't say it any better myself for myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer and bad boy Bobby Blaze. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs>